Ochoa, my question for you today is how do you feel knowing that state testing is over as of today? Well, I think I'm relieved, but I'm also nervous because state testing is over. And isn't that all we're going for? So what are we going to do the next two weeks? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be all about classroom management. (laughs) Oh, well, I have to work my teacher muscles. No, I think think it's a good thing that's over. Uh, I'm hoping that the kids felt, I hope I prepared them enough that they at least felt comfortable taking the test. But uh, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I'm always relieved when it's done. How about you? You know, we uh, we our students showed up, you know, for from online and came and they we had according so we did math on Tuesday and then reading on Wednesday, right? So we had uh, they said we had about twenty more show up for the ELA test. So I'm just saying. Math, oh, that's math is still a little scary, but we, uh, no, the kids seemed really confident, you know, we're quote unquote, you know, we can't talk about the test with the kids or whatever, but they just, their, their vibe with everything was, they seemed confident about it. Uh, especially my students, they were just like, they was like Chastain, the stuff that you give us is harder. And I'm like, well, that's the yeah, kind of the plan. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing. That's that's the kind of stuff you want to hear, isn't it? Yeah. I, I didn't hear, uh, I don't know, they really didn't say a whole lot about it, which is probably a good thing, too. Because usually if it's too hard, they, they'll comment about, oh, my gosh, that's so hard. So, me, they just kind of didn't hurt their mood any, let me tell you. So, I, I had this one, my class, I had some of the kids, I had them the whole day, so I had some of my best behaved kids, and I say that kind of sarcastically. Anyway, I had them for like eight hours, so it was great. It was great, and how, uh, you know, we got to know each other really well. We, I know, it always feels like we're trapped in a room. Like after a while, it just <laughs> it's like, oh my god, just call it already. We so. They're, I don't know, because we're like, you know, we're the oldest, like, middle school in our district. So every time it rains, it's like we, most of our kids are in the portables. So they hold kids. So yesterday was pouring down rain kind of at the end of the start test. So they hold us in there even longer. And I was like, I'm dying. And then halfway through the test, my air conditioner died. So, no, and it was humid. Yeah. So, (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, so I heard it happening as it was going down. We're sitting there and me and the students who were like, cause not every kid in my room was students that I have. So the students that did have me, they were, they heard the air conditioner go, it started off really quiet and then it went loud and then quiet and loud. And the moment it did it the first time, they all turned to me and were like, uh, and I was like, oh no. And I heard it and it stayed cool for a minute. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's just being weird. But then like an hour later, it was just blowing and blowing. And the student who's like, there's a seat where the air conditioner is just hitting every uh-huh. time. It's always the coldest kid in the room. Right. Uh, they... They were sitting there, they're like, Chastain, it just feels like a fan. And I was like, oh, no. So luckily, they came towards the end of the day to fix it. But 
my room was getting a little toasty in there and with all these kids just wanting their phones and wanting to get out. It was, I was like, this could turn this. We're about to have a mob scene in here. <laughs> well, I know. And the lightning and all that was going on. The thunder. Yeah. I Very om- ominous, right? Just. Boom. Yeah. And of course it was on math. We didn't have that issue with reading, did we? No, because, you know, reading yeah. is the happiest place <laughs> on the planet. Look at this, by the way. I can't. I wonder how much Canvas is going to be a part of our lives. I just got a message through Canvas. Student says, Chastain, I still need to help picking my name. You haven't helped me the last two times I've messaged you. <laughs> <laughs> just get picked on all day as a teacher in digital land. But we're not talking about digital stuff right now, okay? We're going to talk about Quick Rides today on the Craft and Draft podcast. I know you're a huge fan of Quick Rides, both Linda Reese version and just kind of a generalized Quick Write strategy. So we're going to dive all into it. I think today, you guys, if you're not in to the quick ride chat. You're about to be in for a treat because this is a fantastic little quick strategy uh, that you guys can use and I use all the time. This is the Craft and Drop Podcast. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two seventh grade ELA teachers in the same district, separate schools for now. Cho's coming to our school uh, this coming school year. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, at some point. But we are just super happy to talk about workshop today and glad you are here. You're listening to us. Alrighty, Ochoa Quick Writes. I didn't know. I don't, I'm trying to. I, I, in preparation for this episode, I was trying to think of when I heard of Quick Writes for the first time, and I can't remember. I don't. Rem, I don't even remember being like given the Quick Writes book. Like I don't even know. I think. I mean, I imagine because I think our didn't our district buy it for us. Is is that how it got into every campus? Yeah, we. Uh, our district sent some people to uh, Baylor for a literacy conference, and Linda Reef was there who created the Quick Writes book, and uh, it had. I think just come out. So that was does she, about. Does she teach there? I know she ago. teaches somewhere. Well, no, she she teaches up north. Right now, oh, if I okay. said, you'd be getting me lying. So I better not say where she teaches because I don't know. She she teaches. She teaches at a middle school in New Hampshire and is at the New Hampshire Summer Literacy Institute. That's what I was thinking of. Why did I think Baylor? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it's because I just said Baylor. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I was looking to see if I had that book back behind me. Um, but yeah, no, Linda Reef. She talked about the Quick Rights book during that conference. It was really great. I love Linda Reef. She had a. I've had the opportunity to kind of follow her along the way. Uh, when we do our reading, uh, some of our reading training, we introduce uh, her book as well. One of her books. So anyway, it's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, do you use Quick Writes quite a bit, or how, how do you use that book? So, funny story, I used it like crazy. What's one of my favorite books of all time? I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't remember if we mentioned it on our book buying guide for our Christmas episode. I don't think we did. Um, we should have, but the, I... I used it all the time last year, uh, and then I looped up with my kids, so I couldn't use a lot of the book this year. There was still some that I hadn't used so much, but there were 
there, there was a big chunk that I did use because I, I used it literally in so many, many lessons because it's for those people who don't know, it's literally a book that just has a bunch of excerpts in it. Some of them are poems. Some of them are from Linda Reef herself. Some of them are even from her students. And some of them, most of them are from like famous books, authors, little sections of that. Like a good example is there's a, like, you know, there's like a beginning of a Douglas of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book where, you know, the main character wakes up and he finds out Earth is being demolished by the galactic. <laughs> like, that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. I love the Hitchhiker's Guide <laughs> to the Galaxy. It's like one of my favorite books of all time. <laughs> Douglas Adams is one of my uh, personal idols. But uh, but there's there's just tons of excerpts, and the idea is they're basically it's kind of I call it prompting without prompting. Now we're getting into the weeds when we get there because I think when I think of a prompt, I think of like a test prompt, like so and so said this. What do you think about it? I think this is more of a what these are used for in kind of my just observation and, and what even I guess Linda Reef says at the beginning of the book is you know they're used as you know they're it's for thinking, right? It's to get kids generating ideas, getting them to respond. And it's, it's supposed to be low stakes kind of riding. And I know a lot of great ideas from my classroom and from my students, uh, have come from these quick rides. But I, I think the best thing from the book that I got was just this, it's essentially a model for like how to use really great model text, right? Because right on the side of each excerpt, it basically kind of gives you some question prompts for students to get them thinking. She always recommends borrowing a line, borrow a word. What happens if you borrow a line from this piece? Where will your thinking go? And that is something that I've employed a bazillion times since finding that book. So I don't to answer your question all the time. I I consider quick rights as a, (laughs) as a foundation, but I, 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 I feel like I use it in, I feel like I combine my mini lesson and quick rides almost always. I, I rarely just do a quick write, which is where I think I deviate, but that's getting a little far. So I'm going to pitch it to you. How often do you do quick rides or how, how, how much do you employ of it? Well, I'm kind of in the same boat year. I know last year that they used it like all the time. And so when at the beginning of the year, I'd pull one out and they go, oh, we've already done that one. Oh, we've already done that one. So I kind of had to not knowing what all they did. So that apparently uh, my school uses it quite a bit. But what I like about the quick write, uh, the way I think Linda Reef, when she talked about it that day when I went to listen to her, uh, she mentioned that you, when you do the quick write, it's just like two minutes. And she took us through the exercise. So when I was there, I actually learned it from Linda Reef, just saying, <laughs> did my little name drop. You're welcome. No, she wouldn't know who I was. But uh, however, she did say she recognized me from a luncheon that we had a few years back. Just saying. Uh, but anyway, I love we're Linda. Best friends, so, in other words. So uh, we're almost best friends. Almost. Almost. Get on the podcast. That would be cool. Maybe we could could work that out. That's a good idea. But anyway, what she was saying when she took us through it was we did like three. She would do like three at a time. So they would read something, like you said, one of the excerpts. And then she gives you about three options on the left, like you were saying. It could be uh, borrow a line. It could be uh, just write whatever your response is to the text. It uh, could be uh, imitate a stanza if it's a poem. You know, whatever she has. It's, it kind of varies depend you know with each one but she would take it so then she what she would do is we would read it 
we'd look at it. We would do one of her suggestions. She always gives three options so the kids can choose or we would choose one of the three. And then um, her minutes, when it says quick rides, it was it was no more than two minutes. It was never no more than two minutes of riding. So you never got finished. And that was her goal, was to, or is her goal, to never let you get completely finished. Because she says that when you come back to it, your thoughts might be different. And so it just adds depth in the long run is what she was thinking. So we did about three of them. And then from there, we would choose one. And then I think later on, you would you would look through your quick rides. And then that that would sponsor some future riding. See, but, and I feel like I, I feel like that's a you did a better job of explaining kind of what quick rides is traditionally and mm-hmm. how it's used that way. My son is just bouncing around, so sorry if anyone hears him. Uh, but I see. I think mine evolved into me incorporating it a lot more into. I feel like what ended up happening is I ended up transitioning from that. Cause I, I remember when I first discovered it, I would use quick rides. Like it would be like almost like its own thing that we did in class and we would do several. And like you said, go back and maybe go pick one and evolve it from there. Since I kind of developed my own style of writing workshops, so to speak, and especially once craft and draft was kind of invented and kids were it, it, drafting and the study of the craft and drafting were always so synonymous in my classroom with the students that every mini lesson became a quick write kind of like we didn't always, I didn't always say, okay, now we're going to write for two to three minutes. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't, but what would happen over time is we would do, let's say we read, we were just talking about this. So let's say we did, uh, I felt a funeral in my brain by Emily Dickinson, What happens a lot with my students is they will just start writing in their journals, their thoughts down. Mm -hmm. And they'll, a lot of them will have their craft book open with the mini lesson. And then they'll have their draft book open where they're just kind of scribbling. Um, or they'll just write in their craft book and then maybe transition it over. So what ends up happening is they'll have a bunch of writing. Let's say we do four mini lessons in a week. A lot of them will have, uh, a lot of writing in their craft books. And then when they kind of need something, they'll go back into their craft book and look at, oh, I scribbled this or that, you know, it's like they were writing, you know, it's kind of, it's like a combination of a quick write and writing alongside a text, um, which is kind of how it's evolved. And, you know, I don't know if Linda Reef would hear that and like balk at that use of the term quick write, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think as long as if, if it's being used to get kids writing, then I think I think that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to get kids right. putting thoughts down on paper without too much pressure. And I think that's the magic of what that book does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And um, <clears throat> but I, I think it's a great way, like you said, to use in the mini lesson. I think it almost models uh, for you that model text. So what what I like to one of the things she did do, and you already mentioned it, and that is she even has her own students writings in there and she uses them. So I think, I think that speaks to how we can use our own students uh, in our mini lessons and in our writing. And I think you've already alluded to that in one of the prior podcasts, how you uh, use the students writing to, to uh, help the students 
come along and actually write new material off of it. So uh, I think I think it's a great way to use model text, and I and I like the way she does it. And I, what I typically do now because every my kids had read so many of those that um, I would start finding and creating my own. And so that's kind of one thing that I that I like to do is, you know, like you just mentioned in the poem you talked about. Uh, Emily Dickinson's poem, you created your own, and then the kids can actually model that. I kind of used that when I did that red wheelbarrow from and Nancy Atwell's book, you know, then I had the kids, but I kind of followed the Linda Reef model as far as how we looked at it, we read it, we understood it, and then we imitated. So I gave them like three options and came out to be pretty strong. Some of the writing from, from that, that particular day. I, yeah, I mean, this the idea of, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what it also does, um, especially if you're just kind of following the general prompts in the quick write book is it, it slowly teaches kids how, how to not just be consumers of text. We've said, I think we've said this on the podcast before, but like half my battle, I feel like in my mini lessons and over time is just teaching kids or, or training them rather to not just be consumers of information. Don't just be a blind consumer. You know, there's there's time for right. consumption. There's time for just enjoying everything and, you know, and relaxing and not really thinking. But, you know, in school, I think our goal is to is to break that. I think it, it doesn't people don't have to try to enjoy things, right? That's not something that we necessarily have to train people to do. You either enjoy it or you don't. But what we need training to do and get kids into kind of wire their brains to do this is, you know, that metacognition. What what am I responding to here? Am I responding to the voice of something, the tone, the theme? Am I responding to the characters? Am I responding to the argument that's being made, the ideas? There's all kinds of different ways to respond to something. And I think that that's when you get this the type of reader that we want in class, which is someone who's reading, but they're also generating ideas on their own while they're reading. Cause I know like in my life as someone who is someone who reads and writes every day, uh, when I read, I am, I no longer almost ever just read to read. I'm always getting ideas and I'm getting, uh, thoughts down on paper and I'm, I'm looking at great sentences and going, oh, that's a really great sentence. I might want to try that one day. Or this is a really cool plot. I might want to try to do something like that or something like that. I'm never just consuming. And I think that's I think that's kind of the holy grail. I mean, is every kid going to be a constant mind of this? No, but we can slowly train their brain to go, okay, so how does this connect to my life? How does this connect to what I know about the world? And then what you have is you have a group of people that – you know, they're independent thinkers, which is, I think, the ultimate goal of any uh, workshop-centered classroom is that kids are generating their own learning, and we are there to kind of guide them along the way. Well, and one way maybe to help them reach that holy grail, so to speak, is through their uh, silent, sustained reading, through their reading choices. If you could get, like, you model with Linda Reef's model or the way you do it, and then you have the students find a passage today that you read that really spoke to you. Okay, so now find a line that you like, find a response that you liked, you know, imitate 
a paragraph or something like that. Um, I think if the kids could actually do that in the writing of their own, in the reading of their own choices and almost create their own uh, quick writes, I think that would be kind of neat to try to do. Um, it'd be a great way to work that uh, silent sustained reading because I think one of the criticisms for that is the students aren't engaged. All they're doing is just staring at pages and they're not really reading. At least that's what some of the, um, you know, principals that say, why are they always reading? You know, you're not having them think. They're just reading. And it's like, but this is a great way for them to show their thinking about what they're reading. So you could actually use this not just for a mini lesson, but then actually transition for the students to actually be doing this. This could be your challenge to them to see if they can start creating their own. And then you take that and then you work whatever they create and then model it for the kids and show show each other's work and see if you can build a a whole room or school of critical thinkers. Well, and that right there, you know, that's the whole kind of philosophy of craft and drafts, right? It's the reason you and I even developed this system was to make workshop visible for the teacher, the student, and anyone else that might be walking in the room, right? Because, right. uh, it, Getting thinking down on paper, having that done and, and engaging kids, because we know what kids are doing when they're independently reading. You know, if teachers are really, you know, if, if you have a, a, a passionate teacher in there, they're going to be able to get kids to read. You're going to be able to connect to kids. You're going to be able to hand them the book that gets them there. Um, but we want them to be engaged in a variety of ways, right? We want them to show their thinking and on paper and how they create ideas. And what happens though, is when you get kids to respond, like in their craft book, for instance, and they're responding to their reading and you train them over time based on your mini lessons and quick writes and everything, what happens is you get kids who they'll come to you for a conference and they're like, Oh, I got this idea from so-and-so book that they're reading. Right. And that that's, that's the idea is that eventually every book becomes a mini lesson. Every page becomes a mini lesson. Every line, every word becomes a mini lesson that they consume because they're learning from the people doing the work in the first place, right? Like if, I don't know. Which which is actually the definition of workshop, is it not? I mean, workshop is this whole idea of an apprenticeship. And so that's really what you're creating in your room. And it's hard for... I think to me that's difficult to do, especially if you don't understand or come from the premise that you and I are talking about. And that is, you know, we're used to directing traffic and we're used to keeping everything under control. And and we don't ask a question unless we know the answer. And we don't, you know, I'm ta- when I say we, I'm just talking in general because um, sometimes I do that myself. I don't ask a question unless I know the answer if I'm really kind of afraid of the material. So, um, but workshop is where they actually, I mean, they really are an apprentice from the old days where the blacksmith would have an apprentice and he would teach them. And then over time, I mean, that's, that's the internships and, and all of that for, for doctors and things like that, where they have that intern and they, they guide them. It's really an apprenticeship and they're actually not just learning like in a, in a book set, you know, like in a classroom setting, but they're actually doing it with the guidance and then eventually they let go. And I think that's really what we're wanting. Uh, and that's, to me, that's the the broader vision or the bigger goal uh, and why workshop is important because you're not just giving them a bunch of exercises to go through. And I think like with quick rights, you could easily make that just an exercise. 
and never do anything with it. Just, okay, it's quick write time. Okay, today's quick write time. And then it just becomes this exercise that goes nowhere. It's just quick write time during this time. So it's it's not that they're quick writing. It's what you do with it after they get the writing down. And uh, and I think I think if you can teach them uh, through that apprenticeship idea, I think that's to me, that's that would be golden. Well, and I'm glad you actually brought that up because I think I think this is a really easy thing to, you know, just call it a strategy, call it a day, and it's like, all right, we're gonna do our quick write for today. Like I've had, it, it's so funny. I do not call these quick writes in my classroom because there's a lot of kids that have come to my campus where some elementary teacher uh, down the line just had them do quick writes every day. And oh, yeah. so, so quick write became, you know, DOL, it became, mm-hmm. uh, it became just another daily task. And you know, the, the worst thing you can do to writing is taskify it in my opinion, because you're robbing it from voice. You're making it drill and kill. You're, you're doing everything. Uh, you're doing everything that doesn't make kids want to do it. And, and you know, it's kind of like, Wanting kids, wondering why kids don't appreciate or enjoy writing, but your punishment is having them write a hundred sentences that says, I will not misbehave, right? If if you associate negative connotations with uh, writing, you're, you're going to just have a, a more difficult time. Now, does that mean you can't do quick writes every day? Not necessarily. Like you said, it all depends on where does the quick write go? What are you doing with it? How are you revisiting it? How does this inform their writing lives? I think that's, those are the key pieces. I don't think there's any hard rules about when, how often, as long as your end goal is to transition into that independent practice where they're choosing where they want to go based on their interest. And, you know, I always lean towards, I honestly, I do more mini lessons than not. I I, I do quite a bit. I actually have in my craft book, we're just at mini lesson 89 for the year. So if you do the math out of 180 days, right? Um, that's quite a bit of day spent on mini lessons. Uh, and most of those have done something like a short excerpt, uh, type kind of inspired by Linda Reef's modeling. So, you know, I, I think your, your mileage may vary. It depends on your students, depends on your class, depends on how much time you have. But overall, I think the, if it's starting to feel like a task, if kids dread what you're about to do, I'd pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Yeah, I definitely pump the brakes and make, maybe even make a U-turn and go about a different way. I think that's why if quick write is your only pre-writing strategy, then I think you're, that you do turn it into a task. So I think there's, I think you can change it up. I think it's real important to change it up uh, when you're doing pre-writing strategies and just have different kinds, different things. And then, but always come back to it because I think the quick write is very powerful and, and I think it really works. So I'm not against it at all. I mean, I use it, but I also vary it. I don't like have that quick write day. And I know that several of uh, what I'm like you uh, get an elementary teachers or not teachers, but students that have come up through the room. Oh yeah, we've already done I finally had to just kind of put it on pause because the kids would go, Oh, we've already done that. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. And then also I think too, uh, some of the some of the passages, I think you have to know your kids. Yeah, I think I think it's important not to just throw anything down there in front of them. 
because sometimes they're not emotionally uh, able to handle some things. So I think you need to know their ki- the kids. And when you're looking at some of the material that's in that that she had that Linda has used, uh, Linda Reef, uh, she some of it's pretty heavy. I mean, it's really heavy. And so I'm kind of concerned about maybe some of the younger kids, you know, going with that because I think I think there you'd have to modify. And maybe change your excerpt, but follow her model, but but make sure that your reading that you're doing, the modeling text, the model text that you're using, uh, can fit them emotionally, as well as uh, through level, if you will. I mean, something they can really grasp. I'm okay with pushing them. Don't get me wrong, but there are some kids that just don't do well. You know, they just don't have the emotional capacity to handle some of the things that uh that's actually in that book i think of course you you push them pretty hard i know i'm a little more conservative we do yeah and that's just kind of my style and i uh you know i like to pull in things that shock them a little bit i think that's that's one of my go-to strategies kind of shocking them out of the stupor of school right it's just like right oh my god just one thing to another and they get to chastain's class and it's like bam there's, there's reasons and stuff for that but one thing i do as a strategy for people listening to this that i think might might help from uh uh making this so trivial is I, I really pull in a strategy like a quick ride or something like that when writing is stalled, right? So it's generally after a publishing cycle, you know, towards the end of a six weeks, that's when most of my kids kind of pick their pieces that they want to finalize and publish. And so at the beginning of a six weeks or maybe even like halfway, I don't know, whenever, whenever kids are just like floundering in their writing, that's generally when I'll throw a quick ride or two uh, in for the oh. week. To kind of just engage them back into their writing because the goal is once they get words down, it's good. So it's like once they start writing, I I pull away. I don't give them so much inspiration or uh, as much stuff to respond to. And then when they slow down, that's when I hit them with the big stuff and get them to respond. And then we start mining their responses and reflections for ideas. And that that's like my push and pull of my writing workshop is basically – through my conferences, like, all right, we're making great progress. You know the feeling of a great workshop when it's rolling good, when kids are producing and words are flowing and you're conferring all over the place. And then you know it when there's like kind of this dead air, kids are kind of off task, no one's really going anywhere. And you're like, all right, time to shock them a little bit, time to get out of this, this funk. So that would be my advice for anyone doing this. If you're comfortable in the workshop format, just, just ebb and flow with them, you know, ramp it up when kids are slowing down and uh, back off when kids are rolling because you don't want to over-inspire them. Then they have too much information. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to jump from piece to piece and never finish anything. That's true. And so how do you know that it's stalling? I mean, like, what clues do you look for to let you know that it's stalling specifically? Uh, my, my main one is my conference numbers. So I, okay. so I, 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 I'm regardless of the day, I'm always sitting on my stool and I'm rolling around the room talking to kids. Sometimes it's con. Sometimes I am deeply in conferences and sometimes I'm just going from table to table, checking in, having conversations, building relationships, stuff like that. So I know basically if I've, if I'm taking a lot of pictures of their pieces on my iPad and I'm writing a lot of notes, that means things are going well, we're, we're cooking. But if I've, you know, if I've done two rounds around the classroom and I haven't talked to one kid about it, like a, like a 
specifically about their piece, um, I know something's off, right? Because the kids, they, they want to share, they want to talk, um, or they're just all publishing, right? So that's also a possibility. So I, I kind of ebb and flow that way. Um, I can, I can always tell based on behavior. My writing workshop is in a hundred percent focused. Uh, then I know that good writing is happening. Inspiration is flowing. Kids are putting words down. They are in the zone. Even if they're not typing or scribbling in their journals, I know that they're thinking about their pieces because there's nothing really going wrong. Then when behaviors start going up, when kids are moving around the room, things are flying around the room, you know, that's when I know that things, things need to be changed. Yeah. The workshop isn't flowing as well as it needs to. So those are really my two go-tos behavior and the amount of conferences that, that are truly being productive. I don't know. Would you say that you do those or do you have another one? No, I think I think you're right. And, I, you know, just watching the kids and talking with them and seeing what they're doing. I mean, I think you have to do a check at least every other day, if not every day with them as far as what they're doing. And if they're like stuck, if I hear, you know, that they're stuck, they don't have anything, they can't think of any ideas, uh, then sometimes that's where I can come in and, and do that. Uh, I know that this year for uh, because of the online learning, it's been a little more prescriptive at times than I like. And so sometimes um, it's just about to have to get the kids to come on with me. But uh, so that, that's been kind of a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, if you're conferencing, I think that's good. And then the behavior definitely, when they're not engaged, you can tell real fast. If they're not engaged in your work, they're always engaged. It's are they engaged in your work or what you want them to do? So yeah, yeah, I had a like today after the star test uh, and we were holding those kids, you know, waiting for everybody to finish. It was kind of hard to, you know, I had to take up all the paper because the paper was getting kind of, uh, you know, I had to say no to paper. <laughs> it was becoming missiles. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're done. No more paper. <laughs> and we love paper. We love paper, paper is but key. not when they're missiles. So uh, anyway, it was kind of fun. But yeah, I think your behavior has a lot to do with where they're at. So I agree. I concur. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all we got for the Craft and Draft podcast today. Decided to go for a shorter one. You know what? We're tired from the star test and we're <laughs> so in the middle of the week. It's been rainy here in Texas. And, uh, you know, we just want to try a shorter episode. If you like the shorter episode, let us know. Maybe we could just rock 30 minute episodes every once in a while. But if you, I mean, if you're like, hey, where's my other 30 minutes? Where's my hour? Where's my two hour conversation? Two hours. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we do two hours. We only record one. That's a hundred percent correct. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Why?" Like the, my wife, she's like, "Your podcast started this time. Why did it take two and a half hours?" Like, well, we got to catch up first. Um, <laughs> but if you like this episode, ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating, a review over there at your podcast episodes. Hit that star. Believe it or not, the star really does help. I'm, I, you, if you listen to this podcast, you know I say that all the time. And I'm not lying to you. Why would I lie to you? The star helps the show. It helps everything else. So do that. Share with your partners, friends. Go buy Linda Reeves' Quick Rides book. Tell her that we sent you. And tell her that uh, the Craft and Draft would love to have her on the podcast. I'm just kidding. Please don't bombard her. She's a very busy woman. But go support her. Work. Go buy her book. This is not sponsored by her, by the way. I know we were no. sitting here 
uh, talking about this book so much, but that's just because we love the book and we love her work. So Linda Reef has influenced both in a variety of ways. So shout out to her. We love our PD people. We love people that change our thinking. But for everything else, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you.